Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 43, and I'll read verse 5 for us now, as we prepare to hear from Wes White as he helps us learn about how to recover from isolation. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. It's good to be here. Grateful for this opportunity to speak and to share with you from his living word. Grateful for this theme that we've been going through this summer. We've been talking about recovery, recovery from things like exhaustion and foolishness and sickness and well, even from the silence of God. And so this morning we're coming to this theme of recovery from isolation. And we're looking at this Psalm 42 and 43. And so if you have your phone and you have your, or you have a, the actual print version, let's look at it. Well, as Travis said, I did serve overseas. And I can remember in February of 2010, it was the middle of the winter. My family and I, we had just sold everything we had in California. We'd moved back to the East Coast here, right outside of Richmond, and went through our training for eight weeks, and we were waiting on our visas so we could go to Spain and serve there. We talked to our supervisor at that point in, in December, who would help us settle us, mentor us, help us get our, kind of our feet wet as we try to learn the language. And so when we arrived in February, a couple months later, my supervisor was no longer there with his family. They had to come back because of medical reasons. And so there I am, my wife and my four kids, ages six, five, one just turned four in December, an 18-month-old girl. I didn't know the language. Man, I didn't know how to, how am I going to find an apartment? How am I going to get my internet? How am I going to get phone? How do I get my kids into school? What do my kids need to bring to school? They're trying to talk to me saying, hey, your kids need to wear this or bring this. And I'm like, man, I have no clue. So they bring out the English teacher. Now, remember, this is not a middle school or a high school English teacher. My kids are real little. I couldn't even have a conversation with the elementary English teacher because their level was not that high. Or my Spanish was like, zip. Listen, we felt alone and isolated. Our kids got scarlet fever. We're trying to take them to the hospital. I mean, listen, there is story after story that you can imagine that we felt very alone and isolated. Two pastors came and visited us about a year and a half later and said this, Wes, I feel like they just dropped you off in the middle of nowhere and said, good luck. (laughs) Here's the reality. This is what we find somewhat in this psalm. Whoever this person is, they feel isolated. As we read Psalm 42 and we read Psalm 43, this person is, they're in exile. Some people think it's David in exile running from Saul. I like that one, so I'm going to stick with it. Or maybe it's a Levitical priest that's with him and he's telling this story, but he is isolated. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to learn how do we move from isolation to hope? And I believe it all starts with a thirst because here's the reality. I don't know where you're at on your spiritual journey this morning. I don't know if you've walked with Jesus for many years. I believe this morning that there are going to be some truths and some principles that we can pull out that apply to your life. Or if you're new, maybe this whole faith and Jesus is new to you, I believe there are some things that will help you begin to put some principles in your life to help you become a better disciple, better follower of Jesus. But it could be that you're here this morning because someone invited you. 
or someone invited you online and said, hey, I think you should watch this, and you're still kind of searching, and you're not sure where you're at, and you're at the beginning part, and trying to figure out this Jesus, is this for me or for not? If that's the case, I, uh, I believe you'll hear some good news this morning, news that will be able to change your life and to give you hope. You see, when I look at this and I think of David in this situation, I mean, he is in a, he's in a dark place. You read it. I mean, he's drinking his tears. That's his food. I mean, the, the waterfalls are crushing on him. He can't feel like he, the waves are crushing over him. In verse 7, you feel like he can't even get his head above water. just seems to be nonstop. There's like wounds to his bones. Everything in there you read, you can tell, man, he is isolated. And this isolation has led to loneliness. And loneliness is leading to depression and everything else that comes along with it. Here's the reality, man. Who is affected by isolation? We all are. We are. We've walked through it this last year. Now, David, this is not by choice. This is not a situation where he can fix. He's in exile, not by his own choice. This past year, a lot of us have felt isolated, not by our own choice. And so how do we move? How do we move from that to hope? Well, you heard Trav kind of mentioned there is one verse that is repeated here time in and time again. Verse 5 of 42, verse 11 of chapter 42, verse 5 of chapter 43. That's, that's a verse that seems to be repeated. It's almost like he, he talks to himself, he, remind, he goes to this. He says some more, comes to this. Says some more, comes to this. And so how do we recover? Let's look at verse 5. Or verse 11 or verse 5 or 43, whatever you want to do. We're just going to, I'm going to hang out there. We don't have time to jump in this whole Psalms, but I want to hang out here. It says, why are you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? And all of a sudden he goes, and he says this, hope in God. He, he's, he's having this conversation with himself. It's like, hey, what's going on? Like, why are you down? Why are you depressed? And then he says, almost like he rebukes himself. It's like he says, come on, buck up. Snap out of it. And if you're from Texas, maybe you say cowboy up. I, I don't know. But he is talking to himself and he's like, hey, get out of wherever you're at and get, get your mind. We got to snap out of this. He's rebuking himself. I think the first step in recovery is just this. We got to be honest with ourselves. We got to recognize. My wife would say this, who has her undergrad in psychology or master's in counseling. She go, Wes, you just have to recognize it. First step is to recognize that you and I have been affected by isolation. It is real. It's real. That's the first step is recognize it. We served in Spain for three and a half years. We came back to the States for six months, and then we moved back to a different city. We lived in the first town. It was a small town, less of less than 100,000 people. And then we moved to Valencia, Spain, which has a metropolitan population of 1.7 million people. I was around more people. But it's the only time in my life that I say I really felt depressed. I lived a block from the Mediterranean Ocean, a block from the boardwalk. It's the only time in my life where I realized, man, I did not even want to leave my house. First step of recovering is just recognizing. But notice what he says here. He says hope. Why does he say hope? Here's what hope does. Because if we allow ourselves to continue down that path of negativity, 
Listen, it's going to lead to further darkness and further depression and further everything else. It's just the reality, right? Loneliness. It's just going to happen. But here's what hope is. Hope is the remedy to negativity. Here's what hope does. Hope inspires our minds. Hope is this. Hope, first is, it gives us confidence in the greatest time of trouble. And if we exercise hope by patience, it can preserve our thoughts in peace. You see, he says, hope, hope, hope. He says this, for I shall again praise him. Again, at this moment, it seems like his mouth has been stopped, but he knows there's a future coming that he will praise. He is missing the corporate family. He is missing this corporate worship. He is in exile and he misses it. And so he says, here's one thing. Here's things I think we need to know on how to recover. Is one, he says, hope. What is he hoping in? Yes, he is hoping. What? He knows the past faithfulness of God. And he says, I will again. He's looking to the future promises of God. You see, for you and I to recover, we have to remember God's faithfulness in the past, understand that he is future promises and cling to those. It's almost like I was talking to my buddy Gary Whedon. He says, we've got to have cross-eyed vision. We've got to look to the past, but look to the future, all based on God's faithfulness and on his promises. Because praise, what does praise do? Well, praise elevates our thoughts to the contemplations of the grace of God. That's what it does. It moves us to that direction. And so my question is this morning, let's be honest with ourselves. Hey, are you struggling? Have you been honest? Do you recognize it maybe in your life or maybe it's someone else's life? Maybe you're in a good spot. Can you recognize it in somebody else's life? I don't know where you're at. But I, when I read this, I go ask my questions, where am I? Maybe where's my family? Where's my kids? Where are they? How are they doing in this? So not only how do we recover, I ask this question. Is there a way to prevent this? Now, this situation, David, I don't believe he had an option. He couldn't change it or fix it. But I always go, what are the options? I mean, can it be prevented? And if it can't, I don't just want to survive in isolation. I want to thrive in it. And so how can we thrive in it or even out of it? Because if you could thrive in it, you could thrive out of it. But how do we do that? Like I said this morning opening, if I had to summarize this whole thing in my words, I would say, well, how do we move from isolation to hope? It all starts with a thirst. I think verse one is the key here. If you look at Psalm 42, verse one, look at it. It says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, just not streams, flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God, my soul thirst for God, for the living God. Maybe David's up on this mountain that we read and later on in this chapter, he, he sees a deer, it's been chased, it's been running and possibly there's been a drought. Maybe there hadn't been a lot of snowfall that's been on the mountain, Herman, that feeds the streams below when the snow melts. So maybe it's a drought and this deer has been chased and chased and hasn't found water. And all of a sudden, not only it comes to water, but it comes to flowing water and it is diving all in to quench its thirst. Maybe it's quenching its thirst or maybe it's diving in for, for protection from, its, from the animals that are chasing it. Here's my question. 
If I believe that we're going to prevent this or if we're going to move from survive to thrive in isolation, I believe it all starts with this. I think this is how David or the, whoever in this situation is. Here's what I think first step is in this one. Man, do we thirst? Church, do we thirst for God like, like this deer is? Do we thirst for his living water? Right? Do, do we thirst for that like that? The question is, man, do you seek his word like this deer does? I, I believe if we begin to do that, we'll move from survive to thrive. I believe if we get our vertical relationship with, with God right, then the horizontal will take care of itself, but we have to thirst. Church, we have to thirst. We have to thirst for this God like the psalmist does in a dark time. He says, I'm a thirst for God. But I don't think that's the only thing that moves us from surviving to thriving. In 43, verses 3 and 4, I want to just hang out here for a second. If you read this verses, it says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Listen to these words. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Some versions may say tabernacle there. He says this, send me your light. The psalmist says, listen, it is a dark time. The cloud and the fog is thick and I can't see. So God, I need your light to break through, to move these clouds out of the way because light represents here hope. That's why in Psalm 27, he says, you are the light. You are my Lord. He says, you are the light, but he says, you are the truth. It's not enough just to be able to see it, but we need God's truths. We need to understand his word, his promises. This is how the psalmist could say, hey, you are God. You are my God. You are the living God. You are the God who I take refuge. You are the God who vindicates me. God, you are the rock. He knew titles of God's name. He knew God. And that's his truth. Listen, friend. The truths would create the pathways for you and I, not only how to stand. So I was talking to my wife this. It's not just important to stand in God's truth, but we have to walk in them. And so he says, God, send your light, send your truth, and let them bring me to, because here's why, let them bring you to your holy hill. He realizes this, the person in this situation understands they can't do it by themselves, that God is divine and we're the branches, and apart from him, we can do nothing, the scripture says, and he understands I need help. When I was in Valencia, in that time of my life, my wife came to me and said, Wes, I think you're depressed. I thought, what? Not me. Man, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. I'm pretty upbeat no matter wherever I am. What are you talking about? She goes, I think you're depressed. See, I, I needed somebody else. I missed where I was when I spent my first three and a half years. I got to know the local pastors and, and the churches, which were only eight in the whole state or the whole province at that point. I miss them. I miss the fellowship of the saints. I miss that. I was almost homesick to a point, not in the United States, but where I first served because I knew people. And now I lived in a city that was huge. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know any church. I didn't know anybody to connect. And my wife says, I think you're depressed. And by God's grace, I said, God, will you help me lead me out of this? God, will you bring me back? And sure enough, if God didn't lead me to Fina and Fernando, who we wound up playing a church a few months later with and starting one. That's what, that's what I needed. I, listen, you and I, it's not only that we need the individual, but listen, we're not only to search for God's truth individually, but corporately as well. This is why he says, lead me back to 
Zion, that hill. Bring me back to your tabernacle, your toilet. Bring me back to the corporate worship because you and I were created for community because we are in the image of God. And in the Trinity, there is community. And because we are created in his image, you and I are created for community. And if we think we can walk alone, friend, we are sadly mistaken because we are image bearers. Jesus says they will know that we're his for our love for one another. And so we have to understand that you and I are created for this. And so if you're online and you have not made that step, maybe you're coming back. Hey, listen, I'm going to encourage you to really pray and seek and see if this is the step because we miss you here. This fellowship is not whole without you. We miss you. Anytime I come to the scripture, I want to say, what are, what are, what are some obedient steps that we can apply? And I don't know what yours is, so maybe yours this morning is just coming to Jesus. You see, in Genesis, where this all happened, is when the great isolation began, right? Sin entered the world. Adam took of the fruit. He decided to do it his own way. Sin entered the world. And also now we have the greatest isolation that's affected all humanity ever since. It's called, well, isolation from God himself. There's this great chasm that took place in Genesis, and you and I were been separated because of that. But God, who loved us, provided remedy in his son, Jesus Christ. He said, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son. He didn't want us to leave us in isolation from himself and provided a way that you and I could be reconciled and restored back into fellowship with the Father. Jesus says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So maybe your first step is that. When you step into that and say, God, I'm tired of doing it my own way. I need you. And you come and say, I've been trying, but now I can't. And I realize that you are and you provided. God says you'll be saved and he will restore you. And you can say, listen, and here's what God says. Here's a promise about God. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you no matter where. Maybe your step is this, this morning. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Wes, it's, it's real. I mean, I, I know Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus, but man, that has been lonely. Isolation has taken its toll. Maybe you've lost a loved one or a friend, and that's created even more isolation. But if you were to be honest with yourself and you were to recognize, you'd say, Wes, I am not in a healthy place. And it doesn't matter if you're old or young. I looked at the stats. You just Google loneliness among anything. It doesn't matter if you're 18 to 25. It is higher. It's just as high as it is among lonely elderly. There is no generation that's untouched. And the pandemic has increased everything among every generation. You say it's real. My mom called me during the pandemic. My dad needed to have a heart surgery or possibly lose his life. And she calls me and says, Wes, can you, can you talk to your father? I said, why? He goes, I can't get him to go. What do you mean you can't get him to go? Like, he needs to do this. Or like, he's not going to live. He goes, he's afraid if he goes in. Because you know the pandemic. You can't have family or friends with you. He's afraid he's going to go die there alone. He says, I'd rather die. Mm. Didn't do this when I was practicing. He's afraid to die alone away from my mom than to be in the hospital and die alone by himself. And so here's my dad who was a pastor, who my greatest hero and my greatest friends. If he struggled, man, I know it's real among the, among the family of God. And so maybe your first step is this. Hey, I know I need to recognize it, but maybe I need to reach out and ask for some help. 
Man, we have a great staff here. We have some great people, but let me tell you something. There's what I believe to call the priesthood of the believer, and there's a great multitude of saints that are here that will help you and walk with you. That's called the church. So maybe you are in a good place. Maybe you're in a, a place that's healthy right now. Praise God. As I'm sharing this message with my wife, she goes, Wes, well, it's not just enough to us to be aware that people are hurting. She goes, we have to do something about it. What I call is, we have to have our spiritual antennas up. For you and I who are in a good place, a healthy place, ones who are thriving in the midst of isolation, hey, we need to help someone else. I've been amazed as I've studied this over the last couple of weeks, the amount of conversations I've had, not just with older people, but young people as well, about this topic of loneliness. I sat with a group of three people that were 17, 20, and 22. I said, hey, do you think loneliness affects you? And they all laughed and said, yeah, we don't have any friends. It is real. And I begin to use this psalm to say, hey, listen, there's somebody who's been isolated. And so maybe you today, maybe God's gonna call you. Who is God gonna put on your heart to say, hey, can you go talk to them? How can you take this Psalm 42 and 43 to encourage other people who are far from God to come near to God? Listen, you have the same word and the same Holy Spirit that's in me, that's in Trav, was in you. The same word here that you have access to that you can use. And so maybe God's calling you to say, hey, will you take Psalm 42 and 43 and encourage and nourish someone else's soul to encourage them to come, come near to God? So what is your obedience step? We're getting ready to come to a time of communion where we're going to celebrate the work that Jesus did on the cross to break that barrier and break that bridge and to restore us and to reconcile us and so that we can have, well, fellowship with the Father and with his bride. Church, let me pray for you. King Jesus, I am grateful for this time and this word. I'm grateful for Psalm 42 and 43. I'm grateful that you give us an illustration where someone who's struggling and longs to come back, not just to you, but to corporate. And Father, you meant for us not to walk alone, but together in community. Father, I know some this morning are struggling. What is my first step? God, I pray that you give someone, if they've never come to you, they've never come to you at the foot of the cross and surrendered all, that maybe the first step, God, that they'll do that. That they'll trust in you and turn from doing it their own way and put their hope and their salvation into you. That they can say, this is not just God, this is my God. And for my brothers and sisters who are there, that this, they're in a hard time. God, I pray that you'll help them recognize it and then seek help. They'll remember your faithfulness and they'll remember your promises. And God, we who are you and called by your name, may we this week be aware, have our spiritual antennas up for those that are around us in our workplace, in our homes, as we go out in the stores or wherever we are, may we have our spiritual antennas up and say, God, who, are, who is it that you would have me to speak with? Who is it that you are asking me to use my life from the test that I've covered, now I have a testimony. Who can I or who would you want me to speak with this week? God, is, will you put them on our hearts and then give us the boldness and the faithfulness to follow through and just to speak on your behalf, that we might use this psalm, your stories, your truths to help someone come near to God. God, thank you for your living word that changes us. May we be like this person and thirst and hunger 
for you and the things of you. I pray this in the name of the living Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we are ready to help get you connected to Christ and his community. Have a blessed day.